0: Welcome to the LifeSpring Church podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at LifespringChurch.us. Identity matters. Identity matters. We know each other by our identity. You know me probably by the identity of my name, which is Todd. I know you by the identity of your name, which is what it is. I'm not going to name everybody here today. (laughs) If you are uh, in a group of people and somebody yells, Fred, to my knowledge, nobody in here is going to respond because there's no Freds here today, but if somebody was to yell, Trenton or Bob, we would respond because that's an identifying factor to us. Our name is an identifying part of who we are. But it's not just our name. We know some people by the way they dress, or we know some people by the job that they have, or we know other people just by their family associations. And, And it just seems like everything that we do or that we become engaged with in life leaves a little mark of identity on us. Well, that's Todd the pastor. That's Greg the maintenance man. That's Bob the truck driver. You know, it just builds and builds and builds. And if we were to name every identifying factor about all of us, it would probably include good things and, well, not so good things. Well, that's Todd the pastor who's bald. The identifying factors just build and build and build. And and these things all make a difference in us. But there's something we all want to be identified as, and that's a winner. Nobody says, hey, call me a loser. Nobody raises their hand to be called a loser. Look at your neighbor today and say, hey, you're a winner. You're a winner. You are a winner. So join me here for a little while this morning as we look into the word of God. And we allow the Spirit of God to speak to us and declare to us this this declaration. We win. We win. If you have your Bibles, we're going to read one verse of Scripture this morning in the book of Genesis. Chapter 49 and verse 19. Genesis 49 and 19 It's talking about one of the children of Israel, one of the 12 children of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. This young man's name was Gad. It says, Gad, a troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at the last. You can be seated. Thank you for respecting God's word this morning. We win. I want you to... Let that soak into your spirit today. We win. Sometimes in life we go through struggles, and sometimes even as churches, it feels like the church goes through a struggle, and, and we as families go through struggles. And there's always a battle that seems like it's always raging about us. But let me tell you today, with an affirmative, strong declaration, we win. God's church wins. In the end, the church of God will always win. It's Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 that Jesus makes this incredible declaration to Simon Peter. He says, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church of God always wins. We win. We win when the storms come in our lives. If we'll hang on, we'll win. Paul the apostle was in a storm. He was on the ship. And the winds were blowing and the waves were crashing. And he was a prisoner. And they were hauling him to Rome to go to court. And an angel came to him and says, If you guys will just stay with the ship, you'll be safe. I want to declare to you today, if you'll just stay with the boat, if you'll just stay holding on in the midst of your greatest storm, you will come out a winner. The church never sinks. The church never fails. The church never stops. The church is going all the way because the church is built to win. When a coach, particularly college coaches, began their recruiting season, They began looking at all the stats from their recruiters who have been spending long hours driving down long, dusty roads in the small cities all across America. And they've been sitting at Friday night football games and Tuesday night baseball games, and they've been watching all these players play. And granted, they haven't seen all the best games ever played in those sports. But every now and then, they'll come across the field out in the middle of the country some small school, and there's a player that catches their eye, and they'll begin to mark it down and they'll begin to write their statistics and they'll make their write-up and they'll present it to the coach. And the coach says, You know, it's recruiting. I'm gonna drive to Dot in the Road, America. I'm gonna meet this kid's family. I think this kid has just what we need. This is what we need to build a winning team. Every coach goes out to build winning team. This is what Jesus did when he began to recruit and bring people in to his kingdom. He began to look for people who were winners. You say, well, not everybody that was in the 12 were winners. There were some real losers in that group. There were some real people in that group that were down and out who weren't the favorites of the list. I mean, what about Matthew? Nobody liked Matthew. He was a Jewish man who had sold himself out to the Roman government to collect Roman taxes from his fellow Jews. He probably wasn't, oh, here comes Matthew. It's probably, here comes Matthew. Matthew didn't walk down dark alleys alone. There probably was some getting to know each other when the 12 were put together and they came to their first, I don't know what you would call it, their first business meeting with Jesus. I don't know, first commission meeting with Jesus. Let's all get together for dinner tonight. And Matthew walks in the room and everybody's like, really? You invited one of them? But Jesus was looking for a winning team. Jesus built a church that prevails and always If you look at the story of Leah naming Gad, you realize that she named him with purpose. The name Gad simply means a troop, like a garrison of soldiers, a battalion of soldiers, a troop, a group of warriors, fighters. Gad was named with the expectation of war. She knew there would be fighting in his life. She knew there would be battles in his life. And and if you read through the the understanding in the statement that we we read today in Scripture, she also understood that there would be expectation in her life, or his life, that he would always win. Even though there may be times he's overwhelmed, there may be times that he's, he's brought down, he would always come out a winner. It was the expectation that Gad would always be the victor and the conqueror. But did you know you can't win unless you battle? You can't win unless you get in the fight. You can't overcome addiction unless you make a choice to walk away from the thing that holds you bound. You can't overcome sin unless you commit your life to Christ and allow Him to lead you and guide you away from the things and the vices that hold you down. You can't become a better father or a better mother unless you commit your life to Christ and say, Lord, lead me in this role of my life. This this point of identity in my life, I want it to become better than what it is. We have to have Christ in us, leading us and guiding us. And yeah, there are days we battle there are days that we wore, but that was the expectation. But it was also expected that in the end, we win. Spectators don't win. Those sitting in the stands don't win. If you go to the Masters golf tournament, all of those people, the thousands of people that rush from one hole to the next hole, and they they gather around along the fairway, and they're they're sitting in the bleachers around the greens, and they're It's amazing how quiet they get. And then when the perfect putt is hit, it's an eruption of of cheering and sound and a loud celebration for that putt that was made. None of those people won. None of those people get the trophy. None of those people get the million whatever is dollar prize. Matter of fact, they spent thousands of dollars to sit there and scream when someone else wins. You go to the football stadium and, they, and they're there and they're lined up. There's 50, 60, 80,000 people gathered in this arena and they, they watch as the ball is moved down the field, yard by yard by yard. And, and every time the ball advances, the crowd yells and celebrates. My team's winning! My team's winning! But you realize none of them are have the multi million dollar contract. None of them are going home a victor that day. They're just going home the same way they showed up as a fan. Because fans don't win. The only people who win are the ones who step into the arena of competition. Those are the ones who win. Can I tell you today, spectator Christians don't win. Spectator Christians don't win. Spectator Christians are the ones who just watch everybody else go through the struggle and watch everybody else's victory and watch everybody else struggle I know, I just stepped right out there real quick. I may have blew your socks off. No, we need people who say, I'm going to be like Gad. I realize there's a battle, and I realize there's a war, and I realize there's going to be some struggle, but I'm going to step right into the arena of competition. I'm going to pray harder today than I prayed yesterday, because through prayer I win. I want to study the word of God and become more intimate with who God is by understanding his word and his love letter to me so that when the enemy comes and he begins to twist the word of God, I know the truth. And when I know the truth, I win. When we know the truth, we win. Leah understood that there would be a season in Gad's life where he would struggle, he would battle, he would be warring. She understood there would be times when he and those gathered around him and his family, they would take individual battles and they would lose those battles. God tells us if we falter and fall, he's faithful and just to forgive us. If we'll just confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. While we strive for perfection, I don't think any of us have Obtained it. Because if we had obtained perfection, we would be like Enoch. Translated out of here. But there are days that we win and there are days that we lose. But just because you lose a battle doesn't make you a loser. You don't lose until you quit getting up. When you stay down, that's when you lose. The battle's not over until you stay on the mat and you let the count get all the way to the end. All you have to do to win is get up one more time. If you want to win, all you have to do is struggle and fight and pull, get yourself to the ropes and get back up on your feet one more time and you're still a winner. Even when the season of struggle comes along and you feel so overwhelmed that you don't know how you're going to proceed or how you're going to keep moving, how you're going to win this one. Let me tell you today, you are part of the church of God. You are a called person of God. You're a saint of God. You've been buried in his name. You've been obedient to the gospel. Just stay in the ship. Stay in the church. Stay connected to God. Stand up one more time and you will Win! We win. In the end, we win. It's not just so much about the church, but there are us individuals who are growing in Christ and learning about this relationship with God. And everybody... Deserves and should have a disciple maker in their life. We should all have somebody who's helping us grow in our relationship with God. We come to church on Sundays and we get our hour or 45 minutes of teaching, 30 minutes of preaching. If you only ate one meal a week, it probably wouldn't work out so well. You can tell I eat more than one meal a week. We need more than just Sunday to be growing and and successful and have the strength to win our battles. We need somebody in our life who's a disciple maker. They're making us into a disciple of Christ. They're leading us into what it means to be a disciple. They're a coach. Everybody likes the idea of having a coach until drills start. Ain't that right, Ed? They all like to coach until drills start. Ed gets these boys out there on the football field. It's coming up here in a few weeks. Hey, boys, it's August. It's 195,000 degrees outside. (laughs) Line up on the 10-yard line. Run until you die. Then we'll start over. Coaches challenge us. They push us beyond our comfort zone. They call us to deeper commitment. They lead us in deeper commitment. They set a mark for us to to strive to obtain. If it offends you and the pastor asks if you've prayed, the altars are open. That's just a coach. That's just someone trying to help you be better. That's just someone saying, I'm setting you up for success. I'm setting you up to win. Your struggle right now is deep, and your battle right now is hard, and you, you're carrying some wounds right now. But what you need to find is a place where you can get into the presence of God. Find you a secret place where the Bible says the balm of Gilead can be applied. The soothing of the presence of God can sweep over you. His spirit can go down into your soul where it's been hurt or offended or, or damaged, where that deep wound is, and he can begin the healing process because in the end, he's making us winners. Everybody deserves a disciple maker in their life. But God designed us to be a part of the church. The church is not a metal building with sheetrock and lights and chairs and carpet. We call it a church, but it's really not the biblical church. It's a temple. It's a tabernacle. It's a place of meeting. It's a... We call it a church. But the real church, the Greek word is the ecclesia. It's the people. It's the called out people of God. And it is this group of people, the people that have this identity, the church, who are winners. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. He wasn't talking about bringing a crane and building a big metal structure and putting a nice tall steeple on it and glass windows and a big sign out by the road that said, the church. No, he was talking about taking people. People whose lives have been broken and bruised and abused. People whose lives have been damaged and ran through the ringer. People whose lives have been shipwrecked. And bringing them together and saying, hey, I'm going to make you a winner. Hey, come and join my team. I think you'll fit perfectly on my winning team how many thankful God came by your house and recruited you one day? The Bible says no man can come unto the Father except the Spirit would draw him. It was probably in a dark moment, probably at the dead end road in our life, that the Spirit of God began to speak. It's when everything else had failed us and we began to listen to the Spirit, and God says, Hey, I still love you. Hey, I have a better hope for you. Hey, I have a promise for you. I have a life abundant that's waiting for you to live. Come and join my team. You can win. Come join my team. I have a team of winners. And how magnificent that moment was. You said, all right, I'm no longer a team of one, but I'm going to join the team of God. I'm no longer going to fight on my own, but I'm going to mount up with the troop. I'm going to get in the crew. I'm going to enlist in God's army. I may have felt like a bunch of dead bones in a valley, but I feel like I'm coming alive and there's a group around me that's alive and together we will fight until we win. This group of people, the Bible makes reference as the church being our mother. The church is our mother. It is when Zion travails or the church travails that children are brought forth. It is the church that nurtures us and grows us and matures us. It is where iron sharpens iron. It's where we rub shoulders with one another in fellowship. It's where we grow in the grace of God because we get to deal with each other's humanity. It's the beauty of the church. Just as Leah was the mother of God and she saw something In him, she saw something in that child. She said, You are a winner. You are a winner. I want to tell you today, Live Spring Church, when we look at you, we say, You are a winner. You're a part of a winning crew. You're a part of the winning group. You're a part of the church that doesn't fail. You are a winner today. The world will do everything it can to bring us down. We live in a life that's full of stress. We live in a life that's full of angst. We live in a life that's full of turmoil and chaos. If you listen to media... It not take very long before your own head starts to spin. Is that news story true or is it fake? Is it manipulated? Is it trying to push an agenda? What's the real... You can't even listen to the news for the news anymore. You can't even have conversations with people on the job anymore because it feels like they're just trying to connive and work their way into the, the next rung on the ladder. How do I I move and operate in this world where there's so much stress and so much pressure? It seems like everything this world does is trying to label us less than it. The world tries to put an identity on people. Hey, remember when you failed? Because you failed. Remember, we are going to have this consequence and this consequence. You're a failure. The world tries to tell us, hey, you're losing. You're you're a loser or, or you're inadequate. You don't live up to the expectations of course the world always moves the expectation it's like the carrot in front of the donkey you never can obtain it because every step you take moves the carrot that much further it's strapped to the donkey it's an unachievable goal but the church wins in the end It says, those who were called, faithful. All you have to do is answer the call of God, and His call says, come be my child. And all you have to do is live faithfully to what He's called us to do, and in the end, you will win. I want to tell you today, you don't have to be beat up by this world. You don't have to take on the identity of this world. You don't have to take on the confusion of this world. You can boldly stand up in your grace, in the grace of God and in the favor of God. And you can say, I am a winner with Christ. Philippians tells us, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. If you can do it all and you come out in the end victorious, then that makes you a winner. If you come out complete in the end, you won. Because you're a part of the church, you are a winner. But it's not just this world that we fight against, it's not just this world that we war against, but Satan tries to use his century old tricks on us. What does he do? He tries to make us feel shame tries to make us feel guilt. He tries to cause us to have condemnation in our lives. But let me tell you today, you don't have to fall for that. You don't have to be subject to that. Because he wants you to feel worthless. And he wants you to feel hopeless. But you can look at one who gives hope to all and say, no, Satan. You can resist the devil and he has to flee from you. What's Satan's mission statement? Steal kill, and destroy. What's Christ's mission statement? To give you life more abundant. The devil wants to leave you dead, and God wants to make you more alive than you could ever be. So when Satan comes along, you can just remind him, you're fighting a winning team. You're fighting a winning team, and you're fighting a winner, and I plan on winning. Here's what I want to tell you today. When the church looks at you, I don't see what the world sees. When the church looks at us, it should not see what the world sees. The church doesn't see losers and failures and those with inadequacies. The church sees a winner. When the church looks at us, the church doesn't see what Satan sees. The church doesn't go around digging in our past, pulling up all of our insufficiencies and all of the shame and guilt of of a past. No, the church recognizes it's all been covered by the blood. It's all been buried in the grave. It's in the past and it's long gone. And when the church looks at us, the church sees a winner. My pastor asked me what was I going to preach today and I told him. He shared this illustration. I said, well, I'm stealing it. When Charlton Helston was filming the movie Ben-Hur, he went to the director of the movie and told him that he was concerned. He was concerned about the chariot racing scene. He was afraid he wouldn't be able to win the race. The director told him, I'm the director. You're the actor. You drive the chariot and the horses, I'll make sure you win. I wanna tell you today, you keep on living righteous, you keep on living holy before God, you keep on being a follower of Jesus Christ. You keep on being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. There will be seasons when it seems like nothing's happening. But come on, keep keeping on. You're going to win. Keep keeping on. You're going to win. There will come times when the current of culture tries to sweep you off your feet. But keep on keeping on because you're going to win. Keep on pushing because you're going to win. Keep on struggling because you're going to win. If you keep doing what you're called to do, uh, you keep living the life that God's called you to live. uh, He's the one that designed you to be a winner, uh, and He will make sure you win. You go to the book of Genesis, and you begin to read about the creation. In the first day, God said. It is good. Into the second day, God said, it is good. Third day, fourth day, fifth day. That fifth day created humanity. No, the sixth day created humanity. Fifth day, sin is always good. Sixth day, he reaches down to the dusty earth, forms Man. This moment in time, we are simply the creation of God. But he does something dramatically different than he did with all the other creation. Well, first he started with his word on all the other creation, just spoke it into existence. You he formed into existence. That makes you more special than the eagles. That makes you more special than whatever your favorite animal is. That makes you more splendid than the stars in the heavens. That makes you more valuable than every gem hidden in the soil of this earth. Because he spoke those things into existence. And he hand formed humanity into existence. And he didn't just stop with giving you value. He went the next step and breathed into us the breath of life and made us a living soul. He made you spiritual. My dog loves me. Because she gets food from my paycheck. And because I scratch her underneath her ears. And because every now and then I'll throw a ball and she can go chase it and sit down and be tired. That's why she loves me. There's no, if you're a pet lover, please don't get mad at me. There's no spiritual connection between me and my dog. My dog doesn't have a soul. I know all dogs go to heaven, but my dog doesn't have a soul. God said, let there be dogs, and there was barking. And it hasn't stopped. Oh, I said it out loud. (laughs) He breathed into us a living soul. We now have a connection between our humanity and his divinity. There is this, this other realm that exists, and that's where we win. That's where we win. We are victorious, not in our humanity, but we are victorious. In our spirit, because it is not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit, says the Lord. His Spirit brings us victory. But what did God say on the sixth day? It is good. And He rested on the seventh day and He looked at everything that He had made and He said, It is all good. My point is, you're good. Don't believe the devil when he tells you you're a mess up. Don't believe the devil when he tells you that you came off the clearance rack. Don't believe the devil when he thinks that you are a reject pulled from the back closet and put on the shelf on a discounted price. You are the primed, perfect, hand-created, shaped image that God wants you to be. You are designed how God wanted you to be designed. Your will and your power and your spirit and your attitude and your talents and your gifts, if you'll let the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God use them, you will reach your greatest potential. You will win. So you're on God's team, and that means we win. When the church looks at us, the church sees a winner. I want to challenge us this morning. If you're here today and you've heard this word, and you've been going through a struggle, and you've been going through a battle, I want you to just release the war and embrace the worship. Release the battle. And just be who he calls you to be. Quit cursing at the darkness and just stand in the light of Jesus Christ and let it wash over you. Quit stressing over it and let his spirit fill you fresh and new again. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. We sing it, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's something about entering into his presence and just letting his spirit begin to move and to flow over us. It changes us. It transforms us. What it does is it takes our self-image and it lets us begin to see a winner. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Well, I see a dad. I see a husband. I see a wife. I see a mom. I see a sibling. I see a son, I see a daughter, I see an engineer, I see a project manager, I see a manager, I see a... Whatever it is you you're doing your job, you you see these things in the mirror. Let me ask you today. When you look in the mirror, do you see someone struggling or do you see someone with victory? When you look in the mirror, do you see somebody who has an overcoming spirit or do you see somebody who has an overwhelmed spirit? When you look in the mirror, do you see somebody Has a clean conscience before God? Or do you see somebody like Aiken who has some stuff hidden in the tent and it just weighs heavy on your conscience? I want to tell you today winners are transparent with God. Winners can walk into the very presence of God and they say, All right, Lord. I relinquish it all. I make a new, fresh surrender to you. I make a new, fresh beginning in your presence today, Lord. Sweep over me fresh and new all over again. Winners. Surrender to the designer, to the king, to the coach of all coaches. They give up being a team of one and join his team. If you're here this morning and you've never been obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ and you say, what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? I'll tell you. Great question. To join God's team, you just obey the gospel. Paul talked about it in 2 Corinthians. He mirrored the life of Jesus Christ when he was teaching the gospel. He told us that the gospel was the death, the burial, and and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he admonishes all of us to participate in the same experience as Christ. And you're thinking, well, I don't want to die, and I don't want to be buried, and I don't want to have to have somebody come and resurrect me from the dead. But Paul was not speaking and preaching to us in a natural sense, but he was speaking and preaching to us in a spiritual sense. Just like Nicodemus missed it in John chapter 3. Jesus said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, whoa, whoa, whoa. How am I supposed to enter again into my mother's womb and be born? I'm an old man. That doesn't doesn't work, Jesus. Jesus said, no, you must be born of the water and of the spirit. When Paul was preaching the gospel, he was preaching a spiritual message to us. And he was making the analogy and the connection between death, burial, and resurrection. And what is death? Death is, the biblical word is repentance. Repentance is simply two parts. Repentance is saying, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. It's forgiveness. And it's asking him to become Lord of our life. And if he's Lord of our life, then we are making a commitment to him to no longer walk towards the darkness which holds us bound, but to walk towards his light which gives us liberty and freedom so repentance is lord forgive me of my sins and set me free from the bondages that i am let your grace and your mercy sweep into my life lord purify my heart and i make a commitment to you i'm going to walk towards you i'm going to walk with you i'm going to be obedient to you and to your word that's repentance (coughs) so what is burial it's baptism. Romans tells us we are buried in baptism in the same manner as Christ was buried in the, watery, in the earthly tomb. We are buried in the watery tomb. The water's ready today. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, you can be baptized today. Hey, when things die, you bury them. If you don't bury something that's been dead, it doesn't take very long. It starts to smell. I found a gecko in the filter of our, the pool. And I just took the little basket deal and dumped it in the outside trash can. And was a couple days later, I was like, oh, I should probably tell somebody. When that gets full, we need to dump it quick. I was too late. You can walk on the back porch and you're like, there's something dead somewhere. It starts to stink. It starts to smell. It's gross. You ever been around someone who's self-righteous? There's a certain odor. <laughs> Repentance is beautiful. Repentance is wonderful. But can I tell you? Our forgiveness doesn't come because we prayed a prayer. Our forgiveness comes because of a man who died on a cross. A God who said, I will become man and die on a cross. It's because Jesus Christ said, I will be tempted in all manner as like you are tempted. And I will then surrender and give my life on a cross. And I will shed my blood for the remission of your sins. It's that beautiful act of submission to God and submitting to his name in the watery grave of baptism. Where again, the name is called on us and the blood of Jesus Christ washes over us and it takes all that dead filth from we died out to in the altar and it cleanses us and makes us pure in the eyes of God. The beauty of baptism. So we die in repentance. We are buried in baptism and we are Made new and alive again by the infilling of the Holy Ghost, of the Holy Spirit coming inside of us. Just stand with me this morning. You win. Look at your neighbor again and tell them, you're a winner. It's beautiful when you can look at somebody and tell them, you're a winner. Why not you look at your other neighbor and tell them, I'm a winner. I'm a winner. It's a different level when you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, I win. It's beautiful and it's reinforcing and it's encouraging when we get together as a group and we lock arms together and we become an impenetrable force that says, we win. Amen. It's like the old game of Red Rover, Red Rover. Send whoever the friend is, on over. You ever played that game? You get your friends, you line up in two lines facing each other, and you lock your arms, and you call out somebody, and they're supposed to run and break through the line. Sometimes it feels like that's how it is. Satan screaming, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Todd right on over. No, Todd's going to stay right here in the line. I'm going to keep my line strong. So the enemy says, "All right, I'm going to send doubt running your way." And when we're linked arms with one another, doubt just bounces off the wall. I'm going to send guilt from past shame. Shame comes running as fast as it can across the front yard. Bam! hits the hits the wall and falls down. Condemnation comes running and starts to break through and gets. Hung up, hanging over, a couple sets of arms all locked together. But man, we're committed. I'm not letting go. We're part of a winning team. You're not breaking through the line. It's beautiful when we come together and we say we win because we are a part of the church. And the church was built victorious. But today I want you to leave saying I'm a winner. I'm a winner through Christ who strengthens me. I'm a winner because of all that Christ did for me. I'm a winner because he's on my side. Yes, we win, but I want you to win today. Whatever struggle you're going in and whatever battle you're facing, whatever doubt that's invaded your mind, whatever fear has consumed your soul, walk out of this house today reassured in your spirit. I win this battle. I will hold on to the end. I'm not letting go. I'm not letting the struggle overtake me. I will win this battle. Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.